0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, friends. It's your fearless leader, Ed Harold, with you on our Life with Breath podcast series, Utilizing Breath as Medicine. And In this program, we talk about health and wellness, exercise performance, organizational performance, great mental health. And today we're joined by Mr. Dave Florence. And Dave Florence is someone's work who I became familiar with uh, about six months or a year ago through, uh, an app that we're involved with called the Breath source and the Breath source is an app that is just launched and it has all sorts of great science and application about how you can bring breath and, and other types of breath modalities, meditation and moving into your life so that you can live a more dynamic life and you'll have it on your app and you can use it 24 seven. So there's a little plug for the Breast Source. And if everybody could just open their heart to the amazing Dave Florence. Welcome, Dave.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, reaching out. I've just used an American terminology. I'm doing that a lot now.
0: (laughs) That's okay. We're, We're coming together like one global thing now. There's nothing. We're taking the lines down. (laughs)
1: we well let's i mean on a very serious note this is this is quite a a typical and good conversation to have isn't it in the sense that we are one perhaps one of the biggest problems we have in this world is that we feel ourselves as separate beings from others when actually we are all connected we are all one Uh, and so there we are that could that could open up a whole whole another conversation
0: well, before we begin, I my ears are picking up, my mind and my ear is picking up this amazing accent. Could you give
1: us a little background
0: on on that gift that you bring?
1: <laughs> um, so by the accent, you simply mean, uh, yeah, I, I guess. But it, well, I was about to say, does that make me British? Well, yes, it does. But then also, what is the term British these days? Uh, again, you know, this this is that sort of whole conversation around Does it really matter where we come from? But yeah, so the accent, um, I suppose, is just typical of somebody of Southern England. Um, Mm. But also I trained for a few years to be an actor. So therefore there will be elements of how I speak that probably will be attributed to that time.
0: It's just very pleasant to the ear.
1: But Uh, then, then, uh, so I, I love phonetics and I love the sound of all accents. So when I hear what I assume to largely be a New York accent, Ed. Is that a fair assumption?
0: I'm a little south of there in Atlantic City, New Jersey.
1: Ah, right. Got it. Well, that was me completely wrong then. <laughs> oh, you, you got the right coast.
0: <laughs>
1: Phew, I got the right country too.
0: <laughs> That's the right country. <laughs> well, obviously, Dave's a breath aficionado. He's all about health. He's all about healing. He's all about how we can live our finest life, how we can get out of our own way. He's about positive psychology. He's got his resume. If we read his resume, uh, it would take the whole hour. So you can see that at the bottom. So before we begin to dive in, what we want to bring out to the world about Dave Florence, maybe we could just get take a moment to hit the brakes in our life and, and get ourselves centered and just do a little focused breathing. Would that be all right with everyone? It's good with me. So not, Yeah, not, nothing heavy. Let's just straighten our spine. Let your eyes close and just feel that parasympathetic response, that relaxation response as that upper eyelid comes down and we turn off the outer world and we begin to focus our mind and our breath on our inner world. And if you straighten your spine and relax your face, And you slow your breath? Maybe we could tune our brain to what I like to call our emotional muscles. These emotional muscles of feeling. Of memory. Of perception. And just become an active listener to your internal dialogue. When you straighten your spine, close your eyes, and slow your breath. And what does it feel like to be present right now in your body, wherever you are on earth? Notice there's great wisdom. It's available to us. And sometimes great wisdom comes even in ignorance or not knowing. And just knowing that there isn't any average moments in life. Everything counts. Details matter. And if you could just really refine your breath, ladies and gentlemen, make the transition from the surface mind to the deeper mind. Someplace where you're always welcomed, regardless of how much money you have in the bank, or what political affiliation or religious affiliation you have. And as you drop into that deeper mind, know that your journey is courageous, you're loved. It is extremely valuable that you continue your journey with your head held high, your heart open, notice we're all searching, we're searching for meaning, we're searching for the truth. So as we grow and we gather more information and we expose non-truths, just continually affirm for yourself that you're beautiful just as you are. That everything is indeed beautiful and holy. And that you're loved beyond anything that Dave and I can share with you in the next little bit of time in your life. So just begin to deepen your breath. Let the breath move wherever it needs to go. Just sit back, enjoy the ride. And remember your emotional muscles. There are our silent warriors that help us with our physical mind. And just find your center. Take a deep breath. And let your eyes open. We're going to connect back. Thank you so much, Dave. You know, I know it's... It's the evening in the UK, and I appreciate you after a day of serving humanity, taking some time, and being respectful of your energy. The evolution of Dave, gosh, that just means everything to me. Can you share a little bit, if you can, about the evolution of Dave Florence?
1: hmm I've gotten so used to describing this now. I I can hopefully do it in in a short piece. Uh, This is a journey, uh, what you might call an N of one journey to optimize my mind and my body. And it it started when I had a bit of a wake up call. It was a bang to the head. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mind telling this because I've said it to everybody else. Uh, This was a culmination of drinking too much alcohol. And I've, I lost five hours in the night. I still don't know what happened, but I was found by the side of the road with a head injury. And the next day with a very worried wife, I had a young son, um, at the other time, still young son. Uh, and, um, anyway, that was enough of a shock to the system. It was enough of a wake up call to make me think, right, that is not how a husband and father should act. Um, Regardless of what happened, whether it was my fault or not, it was ultimately my fault for drinking. So therefore, um, I need to do something about it. It it really was this amazing, powerful, energetic Mm -hmm. wake up that I obviously needed. And I went out into the garden. It was, I think it was minus 10, minus 15 out there, at centigrade. And I just grabbed the garden hose, stripped off naked (laughs) and just stood under it. Um, And that cold was my wake up. As as in a physical wake up. I've been watching stuff on Wim Hof. This is this was back in 2017. So he was slightly less popular then. not many people knew about him. And I dove straight into the breath work that goes along with the Wim Hof method. Um, I say Wim Hof now, assuming everybody knows who he is. I assume they do. And he's that he's become that popular now. Uh, And that became the catalyst then for change. So three months in from doing the breathwork and the cold therapy, I became an an evangelist. I was screaming and shouting, everybody's got to do this. But of course, nobody's going to listen because they know me of Dave of old. Why would they listen to this new Dave? Um, Anyway, so I gave that up. I stopped telling people, all my friends, and I decided to create a YouTube channel to chronicle my journey because I felt so good. I thought, well, if this is working for me, it's going to help somebody. And also selfishly, and it was selfish, i admit, initially, I want to chronicle this journey. I want to see if I can get better. I want to see if I can optimize my mind and my body. I want to see what else is out there. I feel so good right now, there has to be other stuff. So, And I, get, I got super excitable, and that excitement has never disappeared. Um, what we now know, obviously, with that type of breath work, is that it does affect memory, spatial memory in particular. But I definitely had uh, an impact on my mind. So I had cognitive improvements from doing both the breath work and the cold therapy. And I suddenly developed this insatiable appetite for learning. So at that point on, from then on, I just started to become qualified. When in, On my YouTube channel, people kept asking me questions as if I was an expert. And I thought, and, and, and that really, you know, I, I felt a bit of an imposter at that point. Uh, but then I started to think, hang on a minute. Well, no, maybe I am. You know, what does that really mean? An expert? It just right. means that you're somebody that knows something a little bit more than somebody else. And so, I once I justified that in my very self-deprecating British fashion, <laughs> I think I needed to do that. Uh, I then was comfortable with telling others what I knew, and then as I became qualified, I felt more confident about telling others and advising others about what I knew, and that that has now led me on this journey where I do teach others on a one-to-one basis. I work with corporates, uh, and give them workshops. A lot of it is around stress reduction, as you can imagine to in today's mm-hmm. world. That is crucial. Sometimes it's working with people that have, you know, uh, experienced that dorsal vagal shutdown of depression. Um, and, uh, I'm also working with a number of people from the U S uh, uh, both as, a a wellness integrator into businesses uh, and also I'm working on some online programs as well, a, a very big one that that's all about understanding who we are and, and finding meaning in this existence and finding purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll, I'll possibly tell you more about that later. So it's been an exciting journey and it meant that I was able to leave the world that I had created before behind, apart from obviously being a parent, <laughs> husband and a father. Um Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, sometimes beautiful things come in ugly packages. And you have an incident like the traumatic incident that you had. And obviously, when it first occurs, there's there's the accompanying response of shame and guilt and not being good enough and why me and self-doubt. And there's a whole flavor of spectrum of getting disconnected from our heart and the head judging our experience. When did you discover the beauty of the accident
1: well i would say initially i had assumed that the bang to the head was almost like that um you hear about those stories of people having these head injuries and then all of a sudden they find that they are an amazing artist say for example so i i thought maybe that's what's happened i've had a bang to the head and something's been dislodged or opened and that's (laughs) the reason for why i feel so good it was only after doing more research uh, that I then put two and two together. Uh, and here's another interesting thing. So a number of years ago, I got a vasectomy. And this was about two years into the cold therapy and breath work and all the other stuff I was doing. And of course, after a vasectomy, I'm sure every man knows this, you're supposed to supply a certain substance to prove that the vasectomy worked so three months in i get a letter saying we're really sorry mr florence i'm afraid your vasectomy hasn't been successful uh and and then they stated the, the percentage chance of this ever happening it's like 0.01 chance of it happening and so when i when i met with the consultant he said yeah you're very, very unlucky, Mr. Florence. By the way, were you an athlete? He said, I said, no, I was never an athlete. He said, okay, because something's happened here. And he, he was really confused by why this might have happened. And I said, do you think it might be down to the fact that I've been submerging myself in ice and doing various other things? And he went, no, don't be so silly. But then when I met with some Wim Hof instructors and various others, one guy in particular described a story where very similar, but to do with his heart, one of the tubes had blocked and his body started to regrow a new one into the heart. And this the, the surgeons only realized this when they were opening him up. And they said, this is never happened. This never happens. So that's when I began to think, okay, there is definitely more to this than just feeling good. Because obviously that's the first thing you experience, isn't it? With with the type of breath work that Wim Hof method is, pranayama, tumo based. Um, it's very stressor-based. It, it, it puts a stress on the system. And we could call this a positive stress in some instances. And what that does, when your body goes through this adaptation and change phase, as you know, Ed, um, it makes you feel damn good because it's it's pumping you full of positive neurochemicals. So at the time, I guess I was just thinking, oh, this, this is cool. I'm just feeling really good all the time. But then I began to see the other benefits um, and mm-hmm. one of those is absolutely activating healing mechanisms.
0: Yeah, we are so deep. These human bodies, there's so much more than just a physical response of what our organs do and what our joints do and what our muscles do. And You know, we're really just starting to crack the code in regard to all these things hold. When you think about stress, you know, stress is, a sign of weakness it's a sign that you can't measure up you're you're not managing your life well and you've lost control and gosh you know short-term stress is really the key to success and and how mm-hmm. can we create short-term physical and mental stress and use it as a tool to grow and not allow it to become something addicting and degrading and mm-hmm. degenerative mm-hmm. to Longevity of the life of our neurons and the life of our cells. Do you have yeah. any insight on that, Dave?
1: Yeah. So as you say, I think it's helpful to have a conversation around the positive effects of stress. Yeah. And it's very easy when people think of exercise to then compute, ah, of course. Through exercise, we are stressing the muscles and our muscles and our body go, hang on a minute, that's gonna happen again. I better pump more oxygen into this muscle. I better grow, I better strengthen. So that is a, a positive effect of stress. The problem that we now have is, uh, in my opinion, we are b- consumed by prolonged stress, and we don't have periods of recovery and repair. So that's, that's how exercise works, isn't it? You know, If you're training to be an endurance athlete, you do a full-on uh, session one day, and then you might go easy the next and maybe work on another muscle group so that you have time to repair and recover. It's exactly the same for the brain. Um, the brain should be treated in the same way as a muscle, and it should have time to repair and recover so when we look at the corporate space and it's interesting when i'm working with um u.s companies and u.s visionaries there's still i think in america in particular still in this country but definitely more so in america is this um i think uh a negative uh, a connotation with work, the working existence and it's still derived by this push force work more hours, get more done, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so no wonder people, many people are suffering, not just anxiety, stress, but actual physical symptoms because of the stress. And I think maybe somehow we need to build in conversations to organizations in particular and anybody, any working human, you know, any working adult that actually you can do this in a very clever way. You can still produce just as much work, if not more by filtering into your day. Small bouts of either uh, methods to counter what you've just been doing, sitting on your ass in front of a computer, or parasympathetic based uh, practices. In other words, calming practices. Just give your mind and body a break from what you've just been doing. And when you go back to work, you're actually going to be far quicker. You're going to be optimized. You're going to be working faster, producing more work. And if we could build that into, especially the corporate space, but into life in general, I do think we will begin to start healing. And not suffer so much of the negative effects of stress.
0: Yeah. So I've been teaching this thing called brain breaks. And I teach it in corporate America. And I teach it in the school systems where every two Mm. hours we take two minutes and we get out of our left frontal lobe and we get into our right frontal lobe. We bring up this, this parasympathetic activity, this hormonal and neurochemistry thing, this parasympathetic thing. And it really helps the brain deal with our five cents perception in the work environment or in a stressful situation like school. I mean, school's result-oriented uh, task. You know, we're here to get A's, B's, we're here to, we're here to do well. Uh, when I first introduced these brain breaks, people didn't have the time. You know, I, I can't stop work for two minutes. Uh, you know, I've got schedules here and I'm, I'm booked out for the whole day. And I I would go to these leaders and say, well, you can train our employees, the human capital on how to take care of themselves, or we can go to the pharmaceutical companies and we can go to the doctors and we can have all sorts of absenteeism or presenteeism, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have a whole nother host of problems. Mm -hmm. Then we slowly introduced these breath-based light movement protocols to get people to slide the computer back, to move back for two minutes. And in six weeks, <laughs> productivity went up. Healthcare costs mm. went down. People were smiling and straight to strangers in the hallway, having great eye contact. Like this team kind of came together, just simply turning off the doer temporarily and mm. coming into the beer, the human being. And, it, you know, it's just I love that. Sometimes these little nuggets, you know, they're available to us if we just search out of outside of our blinder.
1: Mm. I love that. That's amazing. And we need more of that, don't we? We need to collect this data because unfortunately, us human folk, we I'm going to tar everybody with the same brush now. <laughs> um, we often we've fallen into this trap of requiring research and data to prove something. And I do think yep. it's a trap because I yep. don't think that's always necessary. You know, you can move through this world through feel and um, uh, a- approaching your inner wisdom or at least, you know, accessing your inner wisdom. But of course, for most people, we need, ah, the, um, such and such cohort did this and felt this. Therefore, it's proven. And that's fine. That's totally cool. If that's how we want to, you know, move through this world, then that's what we need. And that's fine. And I guess we need more stories like that, don't we, Ed? You know, the those amazing turnaround stories where just through simple activities, simple methods, you can, uh, make significant change.
0: Yeah. You know, I've never been a big science guy, you know, for me, I've always, (laughs) I tell myself, I've always been the Guinea pig. I've always tried new things and if it felt good, I wanted to know why it Mm. felt good. And, but that was for me. Uh, you know, the, some people just need to have that back that, you know, we were just talking about this, about giving your power away, you know, just because mm. a scientific study worked for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So,
0: you know, I think that we're much better feelers than is given credence in the media And out Mm. there in the world, I think we're master feelers first. Mm. And then cerebrally, we all have different skills. Some folks have great memorization. Some folks are great at numbers and repetition. Mm. uh, But, you know, other folks kind of work their way to the moment a little bit differently. The steps that they take to prepare themselves to excellence might be slightly different than everybody else. Their age, Mm. their education, their family background, stuff they've been involved with. Do you have any any clues you could share with folks about how do we get to that point of mastery where we don't require any additional information outside of ourselves? And we hmm. know inside ourselves that we're right where we're supposed to be
1: in our life. Yeah. Remove the analytics. There you go. <laughs> First off, um, you know, we, we were d- discussing that earlier, weren't we? We've, we've, again, we've fallen into this trap. Technology has a place. Clearly, we use it. You and I are using it right now, and we are benefiting from right. using this. Right. Um, this is giving us a voice. We are, we're able to spread our message through technology. So I'm at no way, at no point do I down technology, but I do think we need to understand that we need to be disciplined with our use of it and have a real intention behind it rather than just because everybody else uses it, just because it's a trend, we should use it. And I think the way we do this in answer to your question is um, when you remove this desire to be analytical about something in order to show progress, and a lot of that comes from the sports world. And, and I, I can see why you might need to do that in the sporting world. But for the rest of us, you don't. Um, you can do it by feel. It's not just women that have intuition. Men have intuition too. And we can do this by opening up a, a doorway to that inner wisdom. And what I've certainly discovered is when, when you look at January, um, that, that craze that, that goes on in January when people go, I'm going to join the gym. And they always do it with the wrong intention. It's always, I'm going to join the gym so I can lose weight, so I can look good on the beach. You know, that's a typical one. It's not everybody that does that. But in other words, it's a short-term, time-limited goal. Better isn't it to instead start the year off, if you want to make a change and you want to do it at the beginning of the year, fine. But you could really make a change from tomorrow. And you could say to yourself, right, I intend now to flow through my life making use of my body every day, breathing in the right way, pushing my body, lifting my body, pulling my body, interacting with other humans in a positive way, making sure I'm eating good nutrition. So in yeah. other words, what you're doing is establishing a new modus operandi a no or, or vivendi, you know, you're... Um, you're saying to yourself, I don't want to be that person anymore. I now want to be the, my optimized self. And it is not time limited. It is now simply, this is how I roll through life. This is who I am. And another trick to this is to invoke that child within. Mm-hmm. You know, even as adults, as a 50, oh, I'm almost 50, I'm 50 in December, as, as a, an adult, um, I know I can still access that, that boy in me. Perhaps it's easier for men, (laughs) but but the point is we can all get excited for life again and we can do that. It's helpful if we're parents, because then you can enter their world. But even if you're not, you can definitely get excited. And if you get excited about your health and optimizing your mind and your body, then you're not doing it through somebody else's dogma or protocol. You're not doing it in a time-limited fashion. You are deciding, um, right, I want to get excited about this. I've just tried this. It's made me feel really good. So what else is there? What else can I do? And maybe I can start experimenting with it. You know, I've learned this technique. What would happen if I did that technique with this? And that's, I think, when it makes it more fun, exciting and an exploration. Yeah. You
0: know, I, I think that we all need something to get out of bed for every day. We, mm-hmm. we, we need a, a goal. And I think our level of awareness will choose the appropriate goal. This, this new year's resolution stuff, you know, it's a big show and we know that 95% of them fail by the third week in January. Mm. So I was really interested in that. Like why do the new year's resolutions always fail? And then folks end up being more depressed than they were on New Year's Eve. And and they're worse than, you know, step one again. And they got to dig themselves out so they can get moving again in May and June. So I began to do a little research. And when you think about changing behavior, you got this amazing conscious brain, this conscious two frontal lobes that that can basically do. 20 to 25 things in the present moment it's an amazing part of the brain the most awake part it's right there but then you look at our subconscious behavior which can actually do 40,000 things Hmm. in a present moment and when you're looking to change something like behavior which you're looking at in a new year's resolution you're going to have to change the subconscious behavior now When's the worst time of the year to try to change a subconscious behavior? The dead of winter. There's no light. It's cold. It's damp. Your energy levels are are at the yearly low. Everything in nature has gone back into the ground preparing for spring and has Mm -hmm. retreated into the soil. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hmm, the dead of winter. Our body level is that its all time low energetically. And here we are, we're going to go back into our subconscious and stop drinking or yep. stop smoking pot or, you know, <laughs> stop whatever, eating sugar or gambling. It's mm. never going to happen. Mm. So what I try to do with folks is first of the year is where you set your mental intention of what your New Year's resolution is. And then come March, when there's an abundance of sunlight when there's a more heat coming up, spring Mm -hmm. is coming out of the ground, then you emotionally and physically press back into your subconscious because you're gonna have so much more energy to rewire the brain.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It's much like the Eastern New Year, which begins Mm -hmm. in spring.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I love that. That is absolutely amazing. And it made me think there, what, here's a controversial idea. What would happen if corporates ran their business from a seasonal perspective, as exactly. in what you've just described there is, yeah, we were meant to, as humans, predominantly since we've been on this earth, wintertime was a time to recover, rest, right. maybe plan for the right. future, right? because we didn't have the energy. There was no sunlight, especially in the mini ice age of the 1700s, 1800s, um, yeah. so so, yeah, absolutely. We're doing it all wrong. But I guess I guess this New Year's resolution comes from um, probably, uh, and us Brits are pretty good at this, excess. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't know where it came from, but I'm guessing that was it, wasn't it? In other words, typically over Christmas, people don't really get the holiday and break that they need, that their body and mind need, because they're doing this. And yeah. then, then, they, then it's, oh, no, I've got to go to work. Right damn it, I don't want to feel like that again. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm going to do something about it. So it's completely the wrong intention. It's completely the wrong mindset. But yeah, back to that corporate thing. I would love it if maybe Elon Musk could do this. Maybe he could set the trend. I'm going to run Tesla in this way. And it's going to be all about, over wintertime, it's going to be about planning and creating and, and uh, co-creating with others in a very mindful way. And then from spring on, it's going to be, front end of the business sales It's going to be, you know, pushing product, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if it's possible, but wouldn't it be amazing?
0: Well, we've got to take care of the human capital. We have to take care of the people. It, when I say take care, I mean, take care of the inner landscape, mm. you know, keeping the heart rate down. Why? Because heart disease is the number one killer, keeping the mm. blood pressure stable so that you're oxygenating from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head. So you you know, where oxygen touches, apparently uh, your cells can't get cancer. So, you know, there's all sorts of little things mm. that we can do because we're, we are nature, you know, we can interact with the computer, but we have a lot more in common. If you look out the window to the trees, the bushes, the lawn, the mountains that are around us, than we do with the metal and the plastic that's in front of us.
1: 100%. And this, in bright light that's in my face, <laughs> which isn't natural light, <laughs> yeah, with you there totally. Um, and, and and I would imagine that's one of the things that you teach, is certainly one of the things that I teach. Um, uh, breath walking in particular, you know, getting outside, slowing down your walking pace. Something really interesting happens when you slow down your walking pace. Um, if you deliberately Uh, go outside, start walking, and then um, determine to yourself, I'm now going to walk 50% slower than I normally would. Well, the first thing that you'll notice is that it will feel like you're in the matrix. It will feel like other people are staring at you because other humans will be walking much faster, and they'll be thinking, something odd about that person. I'm not too sure what it is. Well, that's good. That's, That's a positive sign. And then what you do, obviously, is you start tapping into your senses, as you slow down you then right what can i hear what can i feel there's a there's a an Acer tree down there that my son naturally and instinctively rubs his hands across and in fact it's now become we, we can't walk past it unless we rub our hands across this tree um so it's interesting how that happens with children it's a it's an instinctual thing and then so you've you've tapped into your senses you're aware of what's around you but you're taking it in again almost like with a, a, a through a child's eye and then you decide i'm now going to slow down my breathing and what you can do then is marry your breaths with the metronome of your walking pace. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you can perhaps breathe in a 4-4 rhythm, as you and I know, You a know, nice bit of coherence and balance. And it, all you need is 15, 20 minutes of that, which for most people, you can probably crowbar into the middle of your day. And that will have a profound effect, especially if you're doing it in nature and especially if you're doing it with bare feet. And you will come back energized. You will not need coffee um and that would just be an, an easy solution to the what we were discussing earlier to the recovery and repair you know let's say you've had a number of meetings in, in at work most of them haven't gone necessarily well or, or they've been high stress meetings you're really feeling the uh, the, the neurochemicals of adrenaline and cortisol running through you which are not the chemicals we really want to play with at work because you don't need to be in fight flight at work you don't you don't need to be say um slaying the saber tooth tiger, the saber tooth tiger is your boss. (laughs) You don't need to have those chemicals. So choosing an activity like that would be perfect, wouldn't it? If you've got the time and most people have, I think in the middle of the day.
0: Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. That was well said, Dave, you know, you're, you're a born teacher, you know, you can tell that you like to lead and you know, there's a calling to what you're putting out here. I'm i I'm so glad that I'm on, on your team. You know, I notice that when I walk slower, when I change the pace of anything that I'm doing, I notice that the limbic system of my brain lights up, and I begin to feel more. Can, mm. can you illuminate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, um, something really hap- interesting happening happens there, isn't there? Um, as you're as you're walking slower and perhaps slowing down your breath, of course, you're then calming the mind and the body to put it very simply. You're, um, if we think about every inhale, increasing your heart rate and blood pressure, every exhale does the opposite. If you're doing long, slow exhales, then of course you're slowing down your heart rate, slowing down your blood pressure. Um, the mere physical act of slowing down, uh, which we find in areas of, um, uh, psychoneuroimmunology, um, Mm -hmm physical actions can change a psychological state if we were to sit here you and i and smile eventually all of these muscles would loosen and we would trick the brain into being happy you know that's such a simple trick to, to people that are feeling rubbish force a smile hold it there for as long as you can you're going to change your psychological state so there's an element of that and i don't know whether you've noticed this ed but when you do slow down your breathing and slow down your walking pace the thoughts in your mind change Mm -hmm. if you tap into your senses it slows the mind to the extent that the monkey mind as we like to call it the default mode network that's always chucking out Mm -hmm. things that we have to be aware of or what the brain thinks we need to be aware of or negative statements and loops it then can't work anymore because your focus and awareness is on higher energy activity of sense awareness and what i've discovered is that when you do that practice of the mindful walking At some point, you'll be in a blissful state at some point, and then this will suddenly come back online again. But you won't notice it straight away. You won't know that you're starting to think in a judgmental way about the person walking towards you. The first thing you will notice is that all of a sudden, your walking has doubled. The pace of your walk has suddenly sped up. So that becomes your indicator. And I find that so interesting that through thought, a physical action... Has occurred because I've started to use this, you know, default mode network, uh, the prefrontal cortex, all that sort of stuff. And when you know that, and when you witness how negative thinking can change your psychological and physical state, rather, you know that by changing your physical state, um, you can change your psychological state in the same way that I'm sure you've spoken about it before power stance. You know, if you imagine yourself to be a superhero, both male or female or whatever, and you just uh, imagine and you picture in your mind this um, the, the, this person that is uh, somebody to be revered, superhero powers, and they have a particular stance with their chest out. And often it's in this sort of, you know, <laughs> uh, hands on your hips and, and you suddenly feel your back straighten. And just by doing that for a minute, again, you can change your state if you did that before a big meeting you'd mm-hmm. walk into that meeting as if you were the superhero you know so isn't it amazing how this can change this a <laughs> point so you can see my finger and this can change this we have control of both this is the mind body connection when you realize that you have way more power than you think and this goes back again to that healing mechanism the natural healing mechanisms that we have
0: wow that was so well said i really really appreciate that could could you share a little bit with us between the movements that take place between the brain and and the microbiome and and the breathing and and how that connects us to almost being superhuman
1: mm well one thing i i would say about that is the connection between oxygen and cells yeah um when you breathe correctly, you are, let's let's call it optimizing the oxygen in your body. You know, as, yeah. as, as you know, Ed, and, and possibly I would imagine your listeners do, because I would imagine whoever's been in, on here, they've probably at some point mentioned that you don't want to use this too much. You want to use your conch. There's a reason why this is on your face. And there isn't a <laughs> receptor. You know, we don't have a receptor in our mouth to tell the body what to do with oxygen. We only have it behind the nose. So we do need to use our nose more. We know that you can use your mouth for certain practices and they will create a stress and that can be an energetic um, experience. But in the main, we want to use this, but isn't it interesting when you improve the oxygen uptake into the system and you, and thereby uh, are better able to move that oxygen into the tissues where you need it. Those that are, uh, let's say you're, you've got certain cells obviously in your microbiome, one of them being phagocytes that go around and and eat up um, bad bacteria. Let's say the cells in your body all over aren't working correctly because you're not breathing correctly. They're not getting enough oxygen. Cells require oxygen to function. Mm -hmm. So that alone will tell you that if your cells are not getting enough oxygen, then you could end up with a gut issue simply by not breathing correctly. And I don't think many doctors know that. I don't think many doctors of the Western, uh, I'm not an expert, but I just don't think they factor that in. They don't, you know, when they're advising their patients, then they're probably saying, take this supplement. You need to eat the right foods. But what they could also say as an extra intervention, learn to breathe properly and you're going to get those cells working optimally.
0: You know, one thing I you can maybe help me out with this, but when, when I meet folks and I, you know, we have a little extra around here, the first thing I notice is that their exhale muscles are very weak. Is that the same Mm. over in in Europe? Do you see
1: that? Yeah, it's not something that has come up typically in conversation. Um, because most of the work that I do is more around the psychological rather than the physical. I, I talk a lot about the physical on my YouTube and in various other places, but not many people necessarily come to me beyond just trying to build a good working physical routine. Uh, but yes, I hear you. I think that would be the right, um, that would be true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we've, we've lost our ability to exhale the last moment completely to Mm. pause the brain, to metabolize our fat as our primary fuel source. It depletes our adrenals. The neuroimmune system becomes weaker, You know, this exhale is is this amazing thing that we've kind of walked away from as a species, and it hasn't turned out well. Now, we haven't seen the end of the ride yet, but when we look at what the exhale can bring to the brain, our mind's perception, what we're projecting, how we Mm -hmm. feel about our posture, the ability to metabolize fat cells as our fuel source around our hips and our buttock as we age and Energetic levels obviously drop, you know, as we age, Mm. these exhale muscles are so key to keeping us in rhythm. Do you find that to be something that uh, you're more efficient being Dave when your exhale is smooth, steady, and comfortable and fully deflating of the lung tissue?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess like you, you probably do certain exercises as well to work that area. Yeah,
0: Jeez, um, you know, I can't exhale my past fast enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. Yeah, do, you, do you do a lot of Kapalabhati as well, I'm guessing?
0: Yeah, I, I think Kapalabhati is probably one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Uh, be, the way it makes me feel around my forebrain region, mm. you know, the way I can, I can come present without the need for a narrative. And I can just be in a blank space and know that I'm okay.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that. It's one of my favorite uh, exercises. Have you ever tried... Um, so I do that in the morning and occasionally I also do crow's breath. Have you come across that before?
0: Let's do, You want to lead some?
1: Okay. It, so, uh, yes. I'm just trying to think how I do it because there's a point at which... Let's, let's see if we can do it. I don't know if it's going to be possible, because how I need to describe this uh, will be showing... I'll I'll describe it audibly, I think, in the main. But anyway, I'll, I'll also make myself look very silly in a second. So okay. it's called crow's breath for a very particular reason. I'm going to turn my head so that I'm now profile. And the first part of this is that you uh, create your lips in the shape of a beak. So you're So already i know i'm looking silly so you're doing this purse lips right Purse lips well more like as if they're they're forcing your lips out like a okay and then what you're going to do is you're going to scoop up air and you're going to do it as if you're a pigeon in a way you know how they do this right but you're going to do it like this so you're going to scoop it up where your head moves from down to up with that with your lips in that very strange position. So it's almost like imagining your lips are like a spoon, you know, and you're scooping up air. I so love this. this. You but you're not inhaling. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is then you're closing your mouth and then you're swallowing that down. So it's almost like you've gulped in some air through this strange swallowing it down. You repeat that for about 15, 20 times and uh, you're supposed to do this and which is why I was wondering how I was going to describe this but if i just describe it audibly you do this kneeling up and what you've then done is is added some air oxygen to your belly you might feel your belly distend distend protrude Ooh. whatever <laughs> um, and what you then do is you then move your forehead to the ground and you stick your ass in the air Mm -hmm. So, and what that does is it moves that air into the lower intestine. At some point in the day, you will end up uh, farting. uh, Mm -hmm. And that removes, therefore, a lot of the unhealthy bacteria and the gases in, in the lower intestine. It's a really interesting exercise. Uh, It's a great one to do in the morning, just like Kapalabhati is great to do in the morning. And and I love that. And actually, when you do, as you know, when you do Kapalabhati, you end up burping quite a bit, or at least I do, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's great. It's just getting rid of the stuff you really don't want in your system. Um, So, yes, crow's breath looks odd. I think I've got it on my channel. I've I've got some silly things on my channel where I do look foolish. But anyway, when you when you reach a certain point in your life when you no, no longer care, that's quite helpful.
0: No, we need the inner child to shine yes absolutely and you know there probably isn't too many humans that don't need to look out the window and and look at the weather and look at how nature is moving and look at how animals move in the wild it's really powerful mm. when we can move away from all the have to's and the shoulds and the coulds and the woods and languaging mm. that just sets a bear trap for us where we know we're gonna get trapped, but we might not be aware of what we're asking for. So, I mean, nature's out here to remind us what the pace of life should be. Mm. You know, the size of our mouth shows us basically how we should drink. Like Mm. you you shouldn't chug a lug, like for the body, for this to come into your bloodstream, when your mouth is full, That's all your body can absorb at one time. And then five minutes later, take another sip. We need like beverages or healthy beverages. You want that to go into your bloodstream, not just your cells. You you can't put it in the body too fast because the body tells time, as we know differently than the mind.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um. That's a really helpful reminder. I was on a silent retreat and um, one of the most beautiful moments was when you ate and drank mindfully, which most people don't do. And I know I fall into this trap myself. The working existence, the need to push, pull, the deadline-driven world that we live in, quite often we're eating not consciously at all. We're not even mindful of how it tastes. So all of the senses are turned off. We're just gulping it down. So yeah, I hear you. So, you know, that I've, I've noticed there's a, a level of
0: presence that you bring to the moment. Are, are, are you aware of that?
1: Um, no, possibly not.
0: Yeah, you know, most of us can't see ourselves. You know, we're, we're too busy projecting out, doing our thing. And, you know, and then when we do see ourselves, we probably judge ourselves in an artificial way. We're being <laughs> overly hard on ourselves while everybody else gets a free pass, or Mm. we're telling ourselves we're the best thing that's walked the planet since Christ. Mm. Uh, You know, there's a certain level of presence that I can see that you bring with knowledge, wisdom, application, that your clients, you can see why you're really, really good at what you do, Dave.
1: Thank you. I I appreciate those words. I really do. Um, I I wonder whether that's also linked to you know, what Confucius apparently said, whether he did say this or not, find a job you love and you never work a day in your life. And yeah. prior to doing this, I was not in a job I loved. So I don't think you would have experienced the same presence, as you call it, that, that maybe you're seeing now. When you love what you do, it's not work anymore. And you get excited, as <laughs> I do. I get, it. I get excited a lot, especially on this subject which I know is quite far-reaching, but I just love this, oh, this right topic. Mm.
0: Well, you know, I my experience has been most people don't remember really much about what I say, but they do remember how I invite them to feel. Mm. And they feel better after a session or after a mm. training or retreat than they did when they came in. They don't remember the words per se, but mm. there's something that comes up and merges with, the clients, that there's this synergistic combination, that there's something inside of them that's tuned into something inside of me. It might not even be human. I don't. I don't know, but there is a sense of wholeness that comes out of it, and that's why I really like doing what we do.
1: Oh, totally. And and I think you come across this occasionally, don't you, with with other human folk? I did in uh, Costa Rica with a guy who was. Um giving five MEO DMT journeys. I I didn't didn't do that myself, but I met with him and he had such an incredible energy. For the first time in my life, I've never said this to anybody. And I said to him, I've only known you five minutes. It literally was five minutes. And I said, I already feel like I am very, very connected to you. And I would go as far as to say, you know, I love you in the sense that this connection would. and I've never said that to anybody. And I think... That that part of that will be when you've discovered your path, maybe I don't know, or you know, may, or maybe when you've just become attuned to the journey that you're on, and then something else happens. You know, I know um, the likes of Joe Dispenza will talk about it. You know, as being this energy field that we can create when we are in this optimized state. So maybe that's it too. Well, let me ask you: Do you trust
0: your life? Do you trust where you've been? Do you trust where you are right now? And and do you trust that as it evolves, it's going to get even better?
1: Yes, I trust. I trust my um, totally trust where I am and where I'm going. Um, and I trust that everything that has happened in my life has it, it doesn't have to be for a reason, but I would say I've learned a significant amount from you know, little traumas, big traumas uh, from uh, being an a-hole. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind saying that. I, I haven't lived a perfect life. I know I've not been the nicest of people to others. I, you know, I, I've had times when I could have done better. And I think when you when you can sort of refer to your past like that, as in, that's fine, that's cool. I don't need to regret any of that. I'm here now. The now is the bit that I can control and affect Um, One of the things, just as a slight aside, one of the things that I quite often talk about and uh, with clients and uh, as something that I think about is this almost Buddhist way of imagining my deathbed scene. You know, I imagine it not in a negative way, but in a positive way. And I imagine it uh, of what I want. I want to be laying there with my friends and family, loved ones around me. And I want to be able to go, "Okay, I had a good life. I saw that opportunity. I took it. I I um, spent time with that other human being, and it was incredible, incredibly fruitful. Uh, I've created this beautiful family. You know, I've te- I've grabbed life by um, the the body. What you what's this expression. Anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and so, therefore, had I not made the changes that I did a few years ago, I think I could have ended up on that deathbed having regrets. And there's that wonderful article about the 12 regrets of the dying which is actually part linked to this program that i'm creating and it's i would recommend everybody read the 12 regrets of the dying because these are the truths that we should all be aware of you know these these are quotes from people in um you know that are about to, to leave this planet and and they state things like um uh I wish I'd lived up to my potential, for example, you know, and that one always gets me quite emotional, actually, when you think about that. Right. Um, anyway, that's worth, I would say people looking up and, and having a read and maybe printing it and putting it on your wall as a reminder. Yeah.
0: You know, healthy people trust their life as an umbrella statement. Mm. Good and point. you know, there's a certain level of accountability that we bring to the table when we trust our life, you know, we're there for the missteps and we're there for the positives. We're there for the pain and we're there for the pleasure. And when, when we have that level of accountability that everything is a potential teacher and helper to me, then everything is fair game. And then every day you get out of bed and what am I going to learn today? And I notice I learn the most on the stressful days, if I can remain the student. Because mm. when the sun's out, everything's great. It's great being it. Oh gosh, my life! What a dream! Oh, I can't wait for the next one. You know, mm. it's on those days of resistance and there's turbulence and there's uncertainty and then there's I don't trust this. Uh, mm. Those are the greatest days if we can put ourselves in a position like when I notice my breath has become disturbed for no apparent reason. I know that something is changing inside Mm. and I have the ability to become the student again. And when you think of a student, I want you to think of someone young, Mm. you know, someone young at heart, someone present, someone not so rigid. Mm. So, you know, this accountability thing. I picked that up from you. You're very accountable.
1: Uh, thank you. I, aren't you too?
0: I I try to be, especially in the areas of my life, maybe where I haven't shown up in my mind, where I wish I would have showed up a little bit more dominant. Mm. Maybe where there was a little more fear or insecurity or sensing not being good enough. Those types of modalities.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at uh, what, uh, what you've just said, there's really beautiful around, um, around learning and being a student. And I think it's quite helpful when you consider that much of our life, unless you take control of it is you being pulled along. That's how I saw my life before, you know, in the sense that, uh, life was pulling me along rather than me dictating where it was going. Um, and you know, and then and then for me to choose the untrodden path, and only when I did that was I then able to to start to uh, become aware of of these learning experiences. And actually, I think on the sub on that subject, I think most people probably have one or two big learning experiences happen to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't take heed of those. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, these are big. I, I I do see these as. Whatever force behind it it is doesn't matter whether it's has uh, a religious context or not. But I do see it as almost um, a spot of wisdom that's being shown mm-hmm. to you, right. and it's almost like I, I saw. I always think of this in a sort of an amusing way. In other words, whatever this thing is out there that's advising us and guiding us, if there is a thing, I sometimes think of it as blimey. This this one is just really not taking heed of our advice. <laughs> you know, we better really wake them up with this, <laughs> and then and then this, because they're still not taking it in yet. Okay. And I, and I think we do need to be aware of these little moments, which are meant to be wake-ups. They're meant to be right, okay. Clearly, what I'm doing is not serving me. Maybe I should now consider changing up, changing it up a bit.
0: Um, and it's never it's too late, isn't to it? It's never too late. No,
1: absolutely. No, as long
0: as you're breathing, you know, the story is still unfolding.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we know that our brains are neuroplastic. We know that yeah. that, um, that they will continue to connect and grow. People just – and this is – you know, I, I, I did a video on, on – because I was approaching 50, I did a video on, on how I've perceived others possibly seeing that as that, that chronological – age thing as being a negative connotation and also that when you are 50 it means that you can't do this right when you are 50 you are less capable of this well it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if that's how you see it. it even if it's right or wrong it doesn't matter if you choose through because belief is the most powerful thing that you can build into your life if you choose to think aha uh-huh. okay now i've got this experience to come this is going to be fun now i'm going to play with this you know just change your mindset a little bit and you can change yeah. change the way we move through this life
0: never miss an opportunity for self inquiry never miss mm. an opportunity to get to know yourself better your gifts mm. your non-gifts mm. you know there's there's an old saying you know for those of us in the personal growth work take the part of yourself that thinks you're somebody, and make it nobody. Mm. And the part of you that thinks you're nobody, make it somebody.
1: Mm. I dig. I dig that. <laughs> you know,
0: just, it, there's all these little bumper stickers, you know. The you know the mind is the last to know. You know, there's, mm. you know the whole thing is just hang in there, mm. and and just get to know yourself better. And I think you're gonna love what you like, what mm. you you know what what's there for you.
1: Yeah especially when you remove the context of being the person you think others want you to be. Isn't that a tough
0: one? You know, we're all doing this Tennessee two-step trying to be like everybody else wants us to be. And then again, mm. yep. you are speaking earlier about giving our power away. You can't mm. when, when you notice that you're giving your power away in an artificial codependent way, pause and take a breath and say, I forgive myself. I don't need to do that anymore. Mm. Don't say you're sorry. Cause I'm sorry mm. is a head thing. Yeah, When you say, I forgive, that's a heart thing. Like Mm. your body will remember forgiveness. It doesn't Mm. remember, I'm I'm sorry, just means give me a pass. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, never works. But when you say, I forgive you, or will you forgive me? Mm. Wow. Talk about a body-mind experience. Like this Mm. flush of hormones moves through you. And there's this lightning of this big backpack where it just falls off your back. When you say you're sorry, it's just like, oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can say that very easily, can't we?
0: It's it's like people say, oh, I love you. You don't have to Mm. love me. Just like me. I mean, Mm. I I don't need love. Mm. You know, how about if you love you and I love me and that's fine?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. That should come first of anything else. (laughs) Listen,
0: can you take us out of here with a little breathing?
1: Yeah, I was just trying to think then what would be a really useful one.
0: Anything you lead is going to be
1: awesome. I mean, well, let's do a fun one. And cool. we're only going to do this a few times. And if people do this, um, I'm going to, I, I don't know, do do you have many people listening as well as watching or is it largely listening?
0: They're going to uh, be watching and listening at, at okay. any time during a 24-hour cycle in the globe
1: okay we are going to add a bit of movement to this okay I call this the one minute state changer good and uh, what we're going to do is inhale with our nose and as we inhale we're going to move our arms up in the air like thus and as, as we exhale we're gonna squat and we're gonna it's <laughs> gonna sound funny we are now going to Exhale with a sigh, but using our nose. So it's going to sound like this.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Like that. So we'll do it about that pace. We're not going to do it for a minute. Let's just do it for about 30 seconds. So remember, inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose. On the exhale, it is a sigh, an audible sigh. And we're gonna start off. You don't have to go right down if you don't want to. It's you know, it, it doesn't have to be overly energetic. We're just simply going to inhale, arms up. up. So in three, two, one. Inhale now. Exhale. Mm-hmm. Inhale. Mm-hmm. Exhale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm two more now one inhale hold your breath for a bit arms up and then exhale slowly through pursed lips nice and simple um, if you did that for a minute, you, it's gonna, you're going to feel a little bit lighter. You're going to feel a little bit of energy rushing through you. Uh, and it, and that would be a perfect example of something to chuck into your day when you're feeling the onset of, you know, work-based stress or just feeling tired. You know, you've been sat down for too long.
0: I feel so good.
1: Mm, And that was just a few. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. You know, I I
0: found that in the times that we're living in today, that we don't need to do nearly as much to bring us into coherence that we needed to do 20 years ago. Because our nervous system Mm -hmm. is already fried. The food isn't what it used to be. We're already mm-hmm. on high alert. We don't need to do as much as we used to do to bring us into this translucent, deeper mind that Dave just brought us into, everyone. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, it's true, isn't it? And You can yeah. learn to, to break up your day, you know, into short burst activities. In fact, I've got a friend of mine, I was in Copenhagen with him this weekend. He's a professor of epidemiology from the University of Sydney, and he's been doing some incredible research research called VILPA, which is Vigorous Incidental Lifestyle Physical Activity. And the whole idea of this is that you uh, can reduce your uh, percentage likelihood of cardiovascular disease by 50% simply by, by, for three or four times a day, Figure out how to increase your heart rate significantly for a minimum of a minute, three or four times a day, and that will reduce, like I said, the risk of cardiovascular disease by 50%, plus it does a whole load of other benefits. And uh, that is, you know, what I would say is a minimum, but what's great about that is that you don't have to change into any kit. You just have to think, right, right, okay, it's morning time. How am I going to raise my heart rate for about a minute or two? And then maybe mid-morning, how am I going to raise my heart rate for a minute or two? And for most people, you know, that can just be do a minute of squats, uh, a minute of push-ups. It could be, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you walking back from the shop, you maybe have a few minutes of holding two bags, walking at pace. It doesn't matter what it is. It's very easy to figure out how can I raise my heart rate? And you can do that three or four times a day. That is enough as a minimum.
0: So if I hear you correctly, what you're saying here is it's quality quality over quantity.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and it will be the equivalent of you doing an hour of HIT, say, on, on the body long-term. Um, and the, the research that they collected was from wearable devices, that thing that we were talking about that we were downing earlier. Um, but it was done over a 30,000, a cohort of 30,000 humans over a period of five years, and they were able to d- determine that that's all you needed. You know, and, and it would, in the data, it would show, for example, a mother running with her child to school for a minute because they were late for school. You know, that would have collected the data to show, you know, and then over time, you know, you do that enough uh, and you realize that that's what your body and mind needs. And again, that's bare minimum, but you could get away with just doing, say, four times a day, a minimum of a minute, raising your heart rate significantly. And that's it.
0: It's beautiful. You know, don't ever let the numbers define you you define the numbers don't let the numbers define you are controlling your experience of what you're picking up it never mm-hmm. controls you
1: yeah 100
0: don't give away your power ladies and gentlemen dave i could talk to you for the rest of my life i probably will i'm, I'm one of the luckiest people in the world because i get to co-collaborate with you and i get to interview you gosh you're just a breath of fresh air you're i can see why people love you dave thanks so much for joining us today
1: thank you uh well I'm guessing you and I might meet you know as in in the real world and I have a feeling at the very least it might be in Cancun.
0: Yes I hear there's something coming together <laughs> next year and it'll be projected out onto our uh, social media and website mm. so I really look forward to meeting you thanks for making my day I learned so much in the last oh, thank hour. Thank you.
1: I thank appreciate it. I, I I it was a pleasure being here thank you very much.